know the first frame of that video is like super important. So if you can communicate some kind of message and open up someone's curiosity, like literally with the first frame, like you see someone standing with a red and green flag and text saying, uh, your man wants to merge bank accounts, then yeah. I don't want to stick around to see what's happening. Welcome back to the Cypress Room, where we dive deep on influencing with integrity. I am Christina Mascari. And I'm Maggie Honeycutt. And we are back with, I think, one of our favorite things to do on the podcast, which is do a remote interview with a content creator. And we have a fun one for you guys today, our first non-DIY content creator. We want to welcome to the Cypress Room, JC Rodriguez. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be in the Cypress Room. I'm excited to jump into the uh, the nitty-gritty details of being in the finance niche <laughs> and talking yeah. about money online. Yeah. Ooh, we're a little scared, but it's going to be good. It's it, going to be it, good. You guys stick around. Um, and make sure you stick around to the end of the episode because, of course, we're going to be taking talking about our favorite things. JC has brought a favorite thing. But before we jump into the interview, Maggie is going to share a little bit about JC in case you don't know him or you haven't seen his content before. Yes. So for those of you who don't already know JC, JC Rodriguez is a full-time creator making videos about personal finance for young adults. He hits the most relevant topics for that demographic from paying for college to choosing a spouse to paying for your wedding. His entertaining interviews and lifestyle content has garnered a following of 1.4 million people across several platforms. This year, he's making some changes to his brand and taking a pay cut in order to make his creator business more sustainable, which we're so excited to hear more about that. So welcome, JC, to the Cypress Room. I don't know about you, but I'm hooked after that bio. I can't. Yes. Yeah, this is, this is bread for retention. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like I, so a lot of our audience is DIYers. Uh, so we wanted to bring somebody in that's in a completely different space. And I love that you're, you know, a younger person. We're a little bit seasoned <laughs> and, and a little, we're over the forties here in the Cypress service. So we'd love to have young creators on here. We had uh, Lily, the furniture doctor, and she has become a full-time creator in the past year. So I would just love to start out talking about how, how did you become a full, a full-time creator? Has this been a fast process and let us know like how old you are because I've already called you out as being young. <laughs> yeah, you're good. I'm, I'm 24 years old. Um, I am what you call a digital native. So like I grew up with like social media and like learning about like getting Instagram when I was 13 or something and just being on YouTube since like 2007 and watching videos. So that was always something I enjoyed. Like I made videos with my brothers. We try to be funny, make skits. Um, but I always thought like YouTuber creator was just some far-fetched dream and nothing really tangible. It wasn't until uh, I graduated high school, I went on a mission for my church for two years. And if you know the guys in the white shirts and ties biking around, like knocking yeah. on doors, that was me. <laughs> okay. yeah, I did it in Las Vegas of all places. So I, I feel like I built up my confidence a lot on this trip. Where, you know, I'm approaching strangers, getting rejected all the time, but overcome. Oh, that's that. such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then coming back home and realizing, wow, you know, with this newfound confidence and like I can I can make outcomes happen like in my life. And you know, I can actually do this YouTube thing. And I would watch I started watching these creators like asking people on the street, what song are you listening to? And I remember that was a, a big trend. 
And I'm like, wow, these kids are awkward out here on the street. So I can probably do this maybe a little bit better and a little bit more and, and in a way that adds more value to people. And so that's where I ended up, you know, deciding to make my street interviews and the, the videos I make about the finance niche, just personal finance. So when you started out, what platform were you on first? Yeah, I was on, I was on YouTube. And at first I was trying to make long form videos. So if you go like deep down in, in the depths of my, uh, my videos, you'll find me like on a college campus with like a really cheap microphone I rented from the library and a camera I rented from the library and asking students about like their, their loans, <laughs> student debt already. And this was probably early 2020, like just as the street interview thing was kicking off. Well, so tell us, how did you um, land on personal finance as kind of your way to add value? Was that something that you kind of always been interested in? Was it your background and your degree? Kind of tell us a little bit more about that because it's, I would say, a little bit unusual for somebody as young as yourself to be passionate about personal finance. Yeah, so... So I'm like, I'm first generation American. My parents are Filipino. They came here to America and they didn't know anything about finance. Um, they made some mistakes. And then my dad had a, a long commute to his work at the time. And he turned on the radio and he list, started listening to Dave Ramsey, the Ramsey show. Oh, wow. Hey. So I kind of grew up on that, like watching my parents apply the principles, start really being taught about my wants versus my needs and about like mm -hmm. the value of money and a work ethic. And I grew up on it. I didn't think I would have a career in finance. Um, I started off as a pre-med major, like most Asian Americans. <laughs> and then, and then I, then I switched over to finance finally when I realized that was something I could probably see myself in a career doing for the rest of my life. Okay, so you and you say you started on YouTube. I'm curious how your strategy and content creation ev evolved kind of as times changed and short form became more prevalent. And how has that changed where you spend your time now? Yeah, so <laughs> man, YouTube flopped. That's why I went to TikTok after. <laughs> you tried, man. I always preach long format content, but you tried and you're like, hmm you know, maybe let's try something else. So it just like goes to show, like, don't give up if the first thing yeah. doesn't work. So tell us more about this transition to TikTok. Yeah. So when I switched over to TikTok, I, I feel like I could, I always had like just these ideas come to my head that I, my friends would always enjoy watching. And I was, TikTok is good and short form is good as like your initial motivator to know like, Hey, I could, I could see myself doing this or I can start doing this because you get feedback a lot faster like if your video is bad it won't get views if it is slightly good or better you see the mm -hmm. the return on the views right away and i can't see it as like a long-term game like a long-term play but in the short term if you just want to get some momentum going like shorts are, are nice and that's what was helpful for me starting off and that was my first source of income was from short form tell us about your concept of your red flag green flag because I feel like that's something that you're known for and if anybody hasn't seen his content we'll put a little clip right here so you can see it but you'll just ask those basic questions like 
red flag or green flag having a joint checking account with your spouse and you just interview these people and they'll be like oh that's a green flag you should have your you know finances combined is that something that you came up with or is that something that's like out in the content creation world that you saw that you're like hey i can emulate this for finance i can confidently say that i started that trend (laughs) (laughs) from the start of my short form i've always like had I did a lot of formats before I ended up doing Red Flag, Green Flag 2 that went well. And I realized the trend with a good format is that you're asking a question that the audience can play along with. Like someone at home could answer the question of like, hmm, is a merging bank accounts a red or green flag? They can actually answer that themselves. And also I realized people on TikTok and short form love having a visual Mm -hmm. because in any short form video, the first frame of that video is like super important. So if you can communicate some kind of message and open up someone's curiosity, like literally with the first frame, like you see someone standing with a red and green flag and text saying, uh, your man wants to merge bank accounts, then yeah, I don't yeah. want to stick around to see what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> she gets her nails done like Two once a week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And I love how I feel the thing I love about those interviews. Yes, it sucks me in because I'm answering the question myself. And then when I don't agree with that person, I'm like, why would they think that's okay? Or like, yeah, I agree with them. That's right. So you're like, I have a buy-in with who you're interviewing. But then it also just takes it to a place of, hey, we all have different opinions. And Mm -hmm. because sometimes I think we get in such an echo chamber. We're around people that are so much like us. We're like, well, nobody would get their nails done twice a month. But there are people that do. And so hearing their opinion as to why they're like, well, that's okay because that's her favorite thing to do and she's making this much money. And instead of going to the movies, she gets her nails done, you know? So it's just Mm -hmm. like having that perception that instead of just saying, well, that's different than me. So no, you give more context. You really bring us into the story. And I love that. Yeah. Sometimes even making a video, you leave a little context out just because you want the comments to finish the conversation basically yeah yeah i was gonna ask you next like how much engagement do you have in the comment section on videos like that on the red flag green flag ones yeah a ton thankfully thankfully the videos that do well are my most reasonable interviews and like the actual logical (laughs) people thankfully because i'm like i don't i didn't want a culture of like let's just roast this person for what they say yeah i even tell the people before i interview them like hey if you say anything like bad or you feel like you're awkward about something like we'll cut it out because i don't want you to look bad but either way comments will still pull out (laughs) something (laughs) yeah yeah they always do yeah but the videos themselves are they're basically just conversation starters like with my the prompt that i give them um it it gets the person talking but it also just gets the comments going as well so that they're very very engaging very interesting yeah. Okay, so 2020, you get a lot of traction on TikTok and you say, okay, I think I have something here. What is the next step to move forward in making it a career for you? Yeah, so I was kind of lone wolf in it for a time, just learning as I go. I think one of the biggest things I learned about the creator economy and being a creator is that it's really important to talk to people who are in the industry as well and to even like work for other creators just to get that mentorship and to see someone that's actually making a career out of it. So 
thankfully someone DM'd me asking me to help shoot some content for a page about like helping college students um, navigate, you know, um, getting textbooks cheaper or like just navigating just college life. And I was able to help another page grow a lot outside of my own. But I also had a really great mentor throughout that time who owned that social media page. T teach me about like monetizing, show me how to uh, negotiate brand deals and how to do outbound outreach and also handling handling inbound emails too. So that was super helpful for me. So I would say for anyone who's looking to break into Put yourself out there and be willing to help other creators just so that you can learn from them. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm I'm curious too, as you've, you know, gone on year to year, how have you changed your content strategy? Like, are you just repurposing content across platforms? Do you create different content for different platforms? Kind of, I guess, when you're creating what, what it tell us a little bit more about that mm -hmm. strategy yeah um i pretty much repurposed everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it, it worked it the thankfully the formats worked across most platforms so literally tiktok youtube and instagram all kind of just grew grew up together too so right now like the tiktok's at like five hundred thousand followers and then the youtube channel's at like five hundred thousand subscribers and then instagram's at 140k just from repurposing. But now that I'm going into long form, of course, that's like a completely different monster. I would So are you back to long form now? Are you are you delving back into long form more? Yeah, I've been that yeah. when the last month. <laughs> the last month I signed up for like a, a group coaching program for YouTube long form called Channel Perfect. Jumpstart. Okay. And uh, I'm learning a lot more about like just the strategies behind like optimizing a video, planning it, and also learning about targeting an audience. And yeah, just giving myself a, a better strategy overall. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to rewind back to you saying YouTube was a flop in the beginning. Um, tell us a little bit more about that because when I was watching your long form content, it looked to me like it had been successful. Has that just been over the over time? that you've kind of gotten those numbers. And and I really enjoyed your long form uh, videos too. I love the one about you trying to pay for your wedding and interviewing people about how much they spent for their wedding. So I guess take us through that YouTube journey too of why you thought it was a flop and now you've decided to kind of go back and focus on that a little more. Yeah, I would say this is probably some of my mistakes I made as a creator. Um, I feel like I did have videos that like performed really well. Like there was one where I went to Harvard and I asked students yeah. about their student loan debt. And for some reason, I just didn't, I, I didn't like look at that video and analyze what I did right. And then like apply it to another video. Like I don't, I, don't, I look back, I'm like, why didn't I just keep going with that? Why didn't I go to Sanford and do the same thing <laughs> or like MIT? So I, that was just a, a big learning curve for me. So now I am trying to approach it in a different way where I actually analyze and adjust content based off like what I did in the past. Okay. But also a short form content was what was paying me at the time as well. Right. Yeah. So I think that's also what can distract you from like a longer 
a longer mm-hmm. shift wait. Yeah, and it. I mean, but you're a finance guy, so you know. Like when you are in TikTok and you're hot on TikTok and you're hot on short form content, you can get really big brand deals. But the long game is having that passive income from those videos that are going to live for a long time on YouTube. And I'm, you know, I talk about being a YouTube dinosaur. I've been on, been creating long form content since like 2014. Um, consistently since 2019 and I had like a really good ride where I had some videos that were paying me really well and I'm on kind of the downside of that so I'm not making as much money as I used to make but I'm still with making two videos a month really I'm making between you know I'm making around four thousand dollars a month which is pretty good for two videos oh Um, yeah and it's and though and I tell people like I could stop today and I would still make some residual income for a while until those videos completely die off. So it's just a different beast than that short form. But you can get some really really good brand deals <laughs> out of short short form, especially if it's very successful like you. I mean, I saw some of your YouTube shorts have sixty million views, thirty million views. <laughs> can you talk to us about? Are you part of the uh, Are you part of the partner program for YouTube and are earning on those shorts? Yeah, the YouTube Shorts program, I'm part of that, and it's a bit like a nice little bonus each month. Yeah, to be honest, and I think it only works that way though if your videos do go like super viral. Like, yeah, you have to get millions and millions of views. Yeah, yeah, that. So yeah, with Shorts, probably um, I'll earn around like an extra like two like 2000 a month. That's awesome. That is. And from other months prior, it'd be like 4K to 5K. Like just a little bonus when if something like- When something takes off. Yeah, when something takes off. See, that's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) Now tell us for those, I mean, I I never saw the answer. Did you pay for your wedding with AdSense (laughs) revenue from YouTube? Did you make your goal? It was like, it was probably a third AdSense and then the other two thirds was the brand deal stuff. So it was from like making videos. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, tell us a little bit more about your income streams and how, as you've grown as a creator, have you diversified them? Um, Like what, how have you diversified your income streams, I guess? Tell us a little bit about your strategy with that. Yeah, so that's been what I've been working on right now. Um, the thing was with, with brand deals, it's really easy to see it as like a really un, like not stable format, like way of earning money. You can make it more stable, which is what I've been doing is like by thinking of getting brand deals. It's not like a feast and famine type of thing because it's easy to be like, oh, I scored a brand deal. And then you just don't look out for any more. And then you get you get paid, and then you're like broke for the next three months because the whole because <laughs> the sales cycle, yeah, yeah, the sales cycle takes like three months until you finally get paid. So I always treated getting brand deals like they say like an escalator, where like you're constantly like finishing brand deals, but still like getting more as like still doing outreach at the same time. And so I've been able to make like a consistent income. And my goal last year was to always earn at least. 15k a month like revenue gross from brand deals and i was able to do that thanks to like me reaching out my personal connections and also i have a a manager too that helps seek out brand deals for me too so it's it's funny like short form brand deal brand deals have been my stable income while i'm like trying to figure out the long form and other 
forms of income too. So yeah, it's it's probably like 80% brand deals or 75, okay. 80. Well, and I'm interested in breaking down your brand deal because the, the most success I'm having in brand deals right now is people licensing that deal probably for like 30 to 60 days, basically as a commercial where they push it out for paid. Um, but you have such a big following and you have some really big views. Are you seeing that trend where they're using your stuff for licensing or are you just able to command a big dollar because of the type of views that you get? I think, yeah, towards the end of last year, it was mainly just from showing the viewership, showing my audience. Okay. But most companies do tag that on as well too, like letting them use the video for their own uh, push in their own pages as well too. Okay, we get we get really vulnerable on here. So I'm going to ask you if you could give sure. us a range of what a partnership looks like for you. If yeah. what what you're able to command right now for a short form video. So right now my standard is I pitch out like 4500 for like one short or like one TikTok. Okay. And then to cross post, we'll add premiums or whatever onto that as well too. It's been tougher though lately. The, the brand deal scene is not as hot. No, it isn't. So maybe like 4,500 now would be like cross-posted on like Instagram and TikTok. Right. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen, have you had any brand deals come through on Brand Connect through your YouTube studio? No. You haven't? Okay. I, that is a place where the bigger brands are finding creators. I find. Mm -hmm. I got two last year. And I just watched a video with Colin and Samir. I don't know if you follow oh, the podcast, them. but they have like the best guests on there. Yes. Um, and they had your mom, Ashley, on there. I hope I'm saying yeah. that right. She's a younger creator. And she was talking about like, I think she had one with Gatorade and maybe Nike. And she said all of those came through Brand Connect. And I was like, okay, which kind of makes sense because they have so much access on the back end of YouTube. We found out a lot of things, like a lot of people who watch me are very into hair care, which you would never know that, but a brand can come look at me that's a big hair care brand that we know those brands spend a lot of money and could be like, well, her she doesn't normally talk about this, but her audience is really into this, so let's hire her and license the content and push it out on YouTube. So a lot of those brand deals on Brand Connect are licensing deals too for six months of Google commercials. So wow. those have been... Those were my biggest brand deals last year. And I just basically sat there and they came to me. Like all I was doing was feeding my channel and showing up on my channel. And those came. So I'm hoping that's another trend for this year. Yeah, here I am taking notes. <laughs> There's nothing you can do to like push yourself out there though on Brand Connect. You could you just have to turn it on and just but we had we had two really nice ones come through with big brands last year. And I was yeah. like, hey. If I could just get a couple more of those kids here, that would be really nice. But I'm just sitting around waiting. That's true. Keep, I mean, just have to keep making content. That's what people like who are trying to monetize should keep in mind is that the best deals and probably most of them are all going to be inbound just coming to you. And just by you focusing on your content and like staying, staying on top of it, like that's where your deals will come from. Like even though you do outreach a lot of times, like there's such a small percentage that actually turns into a brand deal. Yeah. Well, let me, I want to talk to you about having a manager because I'm kind of in negotiations to sign a manager this year and just try it out. Um, cause I've never done it before. Have they brought you a lot of business or do you find more 
help in them negotiating and keeping track of the deal for you? To be honest, it is mainly just the time saving of the negotiating and keeping track of the deals. Thankfully for me, my manager isn't like, I don't have to put everything like through her. If I can source out my own deals through my own friends or whatnot, like I just let her know, like, hey, okay. they're exclusive to these. So, which is like rare for most brand managers because most people yeah. want you to, you know, show them everything that you're working on. Like, yeah. Every deal to go through them. Yeah, I've heard I've heard both sides. So I don't know if that's changing a little bit too. I have I've heard a lot lately that are not signing exclusive and they're like, if this comes to me and I want you to negotiate it, I'll share it with you. But if I don't, if I think I can do it on my own, I'm gonna do it on my own. Which is kind of nice because if it's coming in your inbound and you feel like you can negotiate it on your own, it's kind of nice to be able to do that and have the freedom to do that. So let me be honest, I don't know if I'm gonna keep keep up with like having a manager throughout this year okay that's good because i haven't i haven't signed yet yeah. so I'm like and i had a lawyer look at the contract i'd never have lawyers look at contract but this one i was like this is a lot to yeah. commit to a year and to commit to a percentage of everything that comes in i mean it's a big it is a big gamble so what i was thinking it was just having a, a lawyer just overlook whatever contracts or brand deals i get and then just to go through that for me because that's probably all all you probably need. <laughs> yeah, but man, I feel you living in this land of of brand deals and relying on somebody else and their budgets to have your career is a little challenging because I, I'm just going to be honest. I have a, a brand partnership that just ended um, that I thought I had signed for the year and they had budget okay. constraints and it just got cut. And that was like, it's going to change how my whole year looks now. <laughs> Yeah. And, but you're just at this is why you have to diversify those income streams because you're at the mercy of a lot of other people when you do this content creation thing you have to be very flexible and, and you're I have learned definitely over this past week um, if not over the past couple of years that your identity cannot be bound and your success cannot be bound to the amount of money you're making because you literally have no control for right. it yeah. mm-hmm that's that's why I was even saying like this year I'm down to like take a pay cut from what I was making last year if if that's what it takes to build something that would keep me in the game longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like I'm just I'm rolling off my my savings from my last year's brand deals. I still have a couple more coming in too, but now I really want to hone on on like building a community, building the long form content, and then like monetizing outside of just relying on brand deals. I think that is really oh, wise of you uh, to be forward thinking enough that you can, in the short term, say, okay, I might be putting in a little more work with a little less return, but I'm doing this because in the long run, it's going to benefit me more. I think that's really smart. And does that also tie in with you? I saw that you put on some of your platforms that you're delving into some lifestyle content maybe this year tell us a little bit more about that and how that is part of your like long-term strategy yeah so street interviews are cool and all like there's a lot of pros it's easy to just blow up a page or make yourself relevant with that but people aren't watching for you if they're watching a street interview of yours. Mm-hmm. they're watching for the person you're interviewing and what they're saying they don't care mm-hmm. about you they don't know who the heck you are <laughs> so even if I put something out that's like engaging or I have a call to action, to be honest, the, the conversion is really low because 
it's a lot of views, but no one is invested in the creator or the personality. So that's why I'm like, you know what, let me just share more of me. And without like being a finance creator that talks about things that I have no experience or credibility talking about, like, let me just talk about the things I know about, which is like living frugally, you know, just saving money, building a budget and like managing finances with like a spouse as, you know, just like being a young adult, you know, paying mm -hmm. for college, things like that. So mm -hmm. this year I'm going to share more of that online through just like funny stuff, like funny, funny meme posts, uh, through my YouTube videos and hopefully, hopefully the audience likes me. <laughs> <laughs> And I am totally cool with seeing like subscriber or follower accounts go down because that's just filtering out like who actually is in there to stick around. That's where I'm at right now. I don't know. I my views on my YouTube are down too, but I just find lately that people the people that are engaging with me are just so sweet and are, you know, I've never painted anything, but I love watching you every week and I'm so glad that you're still making videos. And I'm trying to go deeper this year with people and get out of that mm -hmm. mindset of I've got to have all these views and I got to have the biggest subscriber count because we were just saying subscriber count and followers is out for 2024. Nobody cares anymore. It's not real. Um, we've had sure. such an influx with the short form content of like you said, people like the content, but they don't know you. They don't like you. They're not in relationship with you. And yeah, we just want to go deeper <laughs> instead of wider this year. So I love that that's kind of on your heart too, because you're a creator that I love and I love following you because of you. But I guess I met you first in person before I found your content. So maybe that's why I feel that way about you. But I hope that we're moving in that direction in the creator space that, you know, you don't want to just like consume, consume candy, 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 candy. You want to have like a steak and a mm -hmm. potato and sit down and have a meal with someone. So I don't know. We'll see. You know, what's funny too is, uh, the finance creators I talk to, they're going from using like a, a DSLR mirrorless camera and just going back to their phones, you know, after they finally, they upgraded all their gear. And now we're at a point where we're like, you know, we're trying to dial back down and be more relatable and more like you're just talking to a friend on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like going back on our technology. Like my last video that like blew up was just on my iPhone 11. I love to hear it. That's such an encouragement for people starting out too. You don't have to have all these things. All you need to be is yourself because your personality, who you are is going to appeal to someone. And I hope that viewers feel the same way about that too, that they don't have to be some sort of, we want them here for who they are. Yeah. And I, I was watching something predict, you know, 2024 predictions and they were saying people are hungry for lo-fi content. Like they just want you filming on your phone, talking conversationally, creating connection points. And so I think that's interesting that you just said that as well, because that's a confirmation that it doesn't have to be so polished as maybe some of the creators have been in the past. Like people like the kind of raw, off the cuff, relatable moments. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little tired of everyone trying to look like Alex Hormozzi. Honestly. I know I know that that was the thing that I was seeing too. I think I saw it on Think Media that those those quick cuts and the zoom in and zoom out on all those podcast clips that people are just like really sick of that. I'm like, okay, that works for us because we're doing that. <laughs> we are a bootstrap, uh, low budget podcast. Yeah. 
We're here for the content, not for the like. That's it. Yeah, just yeah. one angle. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you though, like when you're sharing, like you said, about personal budgeting and finance and stuff, is your goal, uh, as this is what I took away when I watched your content, you're not necessarily giving people a prescription. It's almost like you're just saying, here's how I do it. Mm-hmm. I, I, is that your goal? I mean, are when you say finance, to me, I, I go to Dave Ramsey. Like, that's what I think, where he's telling people, like, here's how you budget. Like, here's how you invest. And you, you seem to kind of have a different angle. So I was curious to hear more about that. I'm glad you tied on to that. Because that <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I think, because I, I never wanted to pitch myself as, like, the expert or brand myself as the expert on this thing. Because, one, I'm once again, I'm 24 years old. and I wanted to come across as like I'm learning these things with my audience and that's why I'll share like what I'm doing and then I'll also share through these interviews like these are what these people are doing now it's your choice to like choose what works for you you know so I'm just I'm just giving people options to choose from and letting them think for themselves because I, I there's like this Everyone wants to go big just by telling a camera, like, you have to do this thing. And they, they want to make these real black and white rules to things. And, of course, it gets a lot of engagement because it polarizes a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, nah, that's, yeah, that's not my style. Well, I just loved your simple tip the other day that you put up about the, these are the things I learned about international travel and this is what I would do differently next time. Like your whole thing about just the credit card fees. I'm like, yeah, I would have never thought about that. So it's just like as easy as checking in with your bank or making sure that you have the right credit card before you're going to travel. Like that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I liked when you gave yourself a haircut. Yeah. <laughs> it's going viral, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I was at like 10 million views now. Crazy. I'm sure all the hairdressers are coming at you though. Well, we have to work. Yes, yes, everybody has to work, but I get to decide what I want to spend my money on. Yeah, too. Oh, it's so oh. funny. Literally it's so across, funny. Especially on like Facebook too. Like, yeah, going off. Oh man. Well, I want to hear. Okay, so you've done so many man on the street type interviews. I want you to share with us like maybe something that really surprised you after interviewing all these people. Maybe a funny story of a man on the street interview. I kind of want to hear some behind the scenes info on what that kind of whole experience was like. Yeah. Okay. So some exclusive insights to how these <laughs> these street interviews happen. My pitch to them is I see them walking to me. I tell them, hey, we make videos to help kids learn about finances. And we're doing a fun one today asking about like red and green flags with money. And usually that works like 80% of the time because everyone wants to help kids learn about finances. and so once they're there i like prep them i kind of tell them like an example i'll be like yeah i'll ask something like uh they always buying the newest iphone and you tell me if that's a red or green flag and then and then then we start recording from there i've had people i had this one like old british man like tell me just tell me like crazy things about how he deals with money and with his wife and like how they navigate finances together how like oh no never let her look at the bank account or um the or it'll be like just just 
I don't know, just a really off the cuff stuff and like how he never bought her like an engagement ring, but also he he like supports her with everything and like he was actually like a rich guy that earned a bunch of McDonald's franchises. And um after the interview, I didn't know if what he was telling me was the truth or if he was just joking around and his like son in law was there and he's like, Yeah, he's kind of a interesting fellow, but everything he told you was true. <laughs> <laughs> And so I guess you never know what's going to come out of someone's mouth when you're doing yeah. street interviews. It's a risk. But to be honest, I um, I love talking to like older people about their finances. First, I they have the experience to like say interesting things. So that's why, that's why I just kind of leave college campuses <laughs> from doing these interviews. I'll just go to some other public area and find like older, more experienced people. Oh, I, I did interview a lot of people who have had like really expensive weddings. That's something I've also found like 250K, like quarter mil wow. weddings. That did they like, regret it or were they happy they did it? They were happy. And the thing is like a lot of them too, a lot of them too, like their parents like paid for it all as well. So just a lot of interesting situations and you can tell. I can I know now like what areas I'm in around Orlando, <laughs> like the kinds of answers <laughs> I'm gonna get. That's funny. Yep. It's definitely upper middle class here. <laughs> okay. So if you were mentoring somebody early on in their content creation journey, what would be your advice to that person who's just starting out? Great. Great question. It's actually, I'm going to segue into another weird interview thing. I interviewed Colin and Samir. No! Need to know, created no. education, like, twice. Like, two different occasions. Wow. How, how did that happen? And is it on the, it's on your channel? Uh, it was on the, the college page that I filmed for. But oh what, gosh, first, awesome. time I, first time I met them was at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. Like, a big conference there. And I didn't know who the heck they were, but everyone was like <laughs> crazy about seeing them in like 2020 and 2022. And then I interviewed them again at like VidCon or something. So, oh, that's what? awesome. That is really yeah. cool. But two guys who are really good with uh, beginner creator education for people yeah. watching. So, mm -hmm. I would say my advice to anyone starting off is to, when you're thinking of like, because I think the ideas in your videos are the most important, like over the quality, over the retention hacking you try to do, but just like having a good concept. I think a great way to think of concepts that you can use is by just watching videos outside of your niche, seeing what formats they're doing, and then see like if if you see a, like a, a video from like a car creator um, and they have like this cool concept, think it to yourself like, how can I be like, the finance version of that mm -hmm. like bring that concept to your your niche or whatever topic you care about so i think that's a great way to like find ideas and my next piece of advice would just be to lead lead your brand with your personality first mm -hmm. and like be okay if it's not like super high views or you're not going viral um that's something i would do differently like i wish i just started off I wish I was just patient enough to stick with the long form because that was literally three years ago. And so by this point, I, it should be popping. So <laughs> just start, start right away with that. Yeah, that's great. I think that's great advice. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about you're a young newlywed. Yes. Right? Like when did you get married? 
I got married last March. Oh my gosh! So okay, coming up on one. Coming year. up on year, yeah. <laughs> so you're you're in the throes of marriage. The beginning of that, we know how interesting and challenging that is to be creating a life with someone and a home and all that. And so, can you tell us about it's Ashlea? Yes, you said it right yeah. earlier, right? Ashlea, yeah, yeah. can you tell us about um, y'all's relationship and how she's a support person for this crazy job that you have and how you guys make this work with it not being necessarily the most stable career (laughs) and like how does she feel about it and how does she support you in this whole journey man okay yeah i love loaded question (laughs) we real deep here at the cypress room no ashley has always had a lot of confidence in me and like my i don't know just my my character my person my skills whatever but even when I first told her that, hey, I see these people online and they're doing these street interviews and I think I can do a better job. We were we were dating at the time and she told me like, yeah, you can do a way better job. And I told her like, hey, I want to get back into like being a creator and making videos again. And she's like, yeah, you should definitely do that. So she was always supportive from like from the beginning, just me in college. I was like, I started making the videos while I was like working for Papa John's like I was a delivery driver and I would like so she she pushed me and while I was driving from pizza store to house I would listen to podcasts about like the creator economy and about like making videos and all that um and then as we progressed along like she's always been one she helps me film so a lot of the street interviews she's actually holding the camera little side note there and also she's like a great filter to run my videos through as well <laughs> as we're watching because like she she's a she's a consumer sometimes i look over her shoulder see what she's watching what she finds interesting but when i show her my videos i like i'll observe her and see like whenever she gets distracted <laughs> whenever she like looks around or like when i see her tuning out that's when i know i should change a part of <laughs> part of the video too She's your focus group. I love that. <laughs> the also, like, man, I I love the life we're building. She loves the life we're building. Like, it's this is like what I find like really big and like was important to me when we got married too is that we both had like the same vision for what we wanted our futures to look like. And a cool part about being young and getting married, like in your twenties, mid twenties, is that you're not like set in your ways yet and you both kind of get to form your your characters and your lives around each other and you get you guys get to like figure out what you want your future to look like and i'm really happy that we're aligned with that and also like one reason we're aligned with what we want our futures to look like is because we're also aligned with our faith and Mm -hmm. our eternal perspective on things too Mm -hmm. so that's been really big for us and Although this crazy creator career changes all the time and we're, we're going out to these events and meeting all these cool people, like, I always feel grounded because I, like, I have her as well, too. And we both, at the end of the day, we get to come back together and talk about our actual, like, our reality. You know? <laughs> and, like, and, like, what's actually most important to us because I, I, I jump from one thing to another when it comes to, like, careers that's why this career is so great for me because i i love like feeling like i'm always progressing and so 
she's like the perfect person to, to handle that kind of life with. So, yeah. Oh, that's I love that. beautiful. Can we cut, can we cut that and make that a short so I can show her? For sure. We're going to go short on hers. Um, and I just like, so as you're saying all this stuff and I like heard you saying earlier, I just want people to know me. I feel like they don't know me. I feel like they just watch my content because it's viral and it's like smart. I want you to know that that's not true. Like they are watching for you and there is something special about you and you do, you have this calling on your life. You can just see it on people that you meet in the industry and you're just the type of person that I feel like I know you. And this is the second conversation we've ever had. So I want you to know that even though like you're, you're not face, you haven't been face front in a lot of your content, you still come through in that content, even if you're not feeling that way. So I just wanted to say that as an encouragement, because I think you are a lot more face forward than you think. And I think people know you a lot better than you think that they do. But I love that, you know, your, your goal is to just keep pushing in and pressing into that, because I think that's even going to bring you even more success than you've had over the past couple of years. Yeah, I I agree because I had never met you before and I just binged all your content as research for this interview. And I I just felt you conveyed so much hope in your videos. I feel like, and you know, I'm making generalized statements, but people your age on social media, I get the sense of hopelessness around finance and marriage and relationships. And I just felt such a sense of hope watching your stuff that, hey, it is possible to be financially solvent, to have a plan, to meet a wonderful spouse. And so I, I felt that message coming through. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. And it felt very magnetic to like, I wanted to keep watching so um, just let that be an encouragement to you that I think, as she said, more of you is coming through than you realize. And I think that this is just a springboard for your future because I think hope draws people in because they want to feel hopeful about their finances, about marriage, about their future, that it can all be good. And so I thought that was something that was really unique about you and I loved the content that showed your beautiful wife as well and the relationship that you guys had. Just even when you kept that raw footage in, in that wedding video of you guys talking over uh, finances for a wedding, I just, that's real life. Um, and I loved the way you guys just interacted in that and it was just so thoughtful and talking about what you had heard from people, whether it was a $700 wedding or a $50,000 wedding and where you might fall and how you guys came into agreement, like just that whole process. It was just really sweet to see. And even though you said in the video, like, it's just uncut. I hope you all don't mind. <laughs> I thought it was great. So you're doing a good job. Oh, uh, thank you. Honestly, I haven't seen that video in a while. So I got to go watch that back and tell my wife. That you thought that. <laughs> to talk about one more thing because we met at a Ramsey influencer event that we were both invited to, and you came up and introduced yourself to me, and we just chatted for a quick bit because there were a lot of people there that were kind of interviewing to be a Ramsey personality, but there were a lot of us there that were just creators that had been on their content before, um, and it was such an awesome event, and I think they're going to open it up to the public. So if they do, like, we'll share about it more. 
um, when they do, but they just gave us all this brand information on how to build a brand and mm -hmm. how to do, you know, media interviews and just gave us all this beautiful free information. But you came up to me, introduced yourself to me. So I can tell that networking is very important to you. And I think sometimes people, when they go to events like that, they get so overwhelmed. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know like how to mm -hmm. do it. They're like, some people are just trying to get something out of people. And with you, I could just tell that you wanted to make a connection with me. And it took us this long to like, hey, let's get together and do something. Yeah. But I think those moments are so important because of this creator economy. Like if you don't have that, if you don't have people that you can talk to, if you don't have people you can exchange with, um, it gets really lonely and isolating. And the, the best things I've learned about this industry have not come from watching a video. It's come mm -hmm. from like that one-on-one -on -one connection with creators. So I would love to hear just what that has meant to you just those networking opportunities and how you approach them and how it's helped your brand and your business grow yeah i feel like people my age everyone's like too cool to do things and like put themselves out there and i went to that event knowing that i was probably going to be like the youngest person there and that i should just rock with that and like Thing is with me, I always feel like I'm an amateur at like whatever I'm doing. <laughs> so even at that event, I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go in like how I actually am. I don't, I don't know anything. <laughs> and if you go in with that mindset, you you're not so much thinking about like, oh, how do I look like amongst these people or like what like they're you know, it's it's easy to get caught up like looking like how do I appear to everybody right now? Do I look competent? Do I look like I know what I'm doing? But then if you just realize that you know, you don't know what you're doing and just like act as you are, then you become a lot more comfortable. And so for me, when I, when I saw, like, I was looking through the, the brochure of people and I didn't, I didn't know anyone as well too. So you were like interesting to me. So if I, if you're interesting to me and I wanted to talk to you and like, you're something I was willing to, that I wanted to like get to know and see like what you're doing and like in your area, your, your YouTube channel, then like, I'll just go up because you're at generally interesting to me so i think i don't think people should hold themselves back if there's like someone that's interesting to them or they they want to learn something from someone then like don't hesitate to just walk up to them <laughs> yes and, and i'm just gonna say it's awkward it is awkward it is awkward to go up to someone ignore that you don't know and be like hi i'm so and so and sometimes it goes really bad and they're just like okay and they don't want to talk to you but that sometimes it's really lovely and you make a connection and we've got to hear so much of your story. I think your story is going to be an encouragement and a blessing to people that are here and like, how do I start? What do I do? Like, but what do you do when you get there? Guess what? We never have it figured out. We're mm -hmm. constantly learning. And whether you're young or you're old, it's not too late to start. And you can always change things and you can always, you know, switch gears if you need to switch gears. So I just think you've accomplished so much in just a short amount of time. And I think your flexibility and your willingness to just put yourself out there is a huge part of your success. So I just want people to, I want this to be an encouragement to them to get out of your own way and just like, who cares if you look stupid that you're probably never going to see that person again or whatever. Like, I just want us to be able to move through those moments instead of letting them define who we are. Because like, just look at this. There's just like a beautiful connection that we've got to have this amazing conversation with you. 
learn more about you and now we get to be on the journey with you and if I would have been too afraid to talk to you or you would have been too afraid to talk to me that would have never happened so like don't let those moments hold you back because fear is a liar yes you just gotta gotta push through and there's nothing that like we can't get over we can't get a we can get over awkwardness it's it's it happens all the time we can get over it for sure and if you you do it enough times you'll just kind of get numb to it yeah that's true that's true And I would say, since you've done so many man on the street interviews, you're probably completely numb to awkwardness. Yeah, that that, that was from my mission. (laughs) I love that. I love love that you brought that up again, because it's those things that we've done, that we've already done training for parts of this, and we don't even know. But like Mm -hmm. nothing is wasted. Everything that you've done in your life leads up to the moment that you're at. And so just be like, I'm sure... That wasn't the most fun time of your life getting rejected and people not wanting to talk to you, but you're like, I'm doing this. I'm committed to this because I'm committed to my faith and I'm committed to what this means. And it wasn't wasted. Like, look at, you know, what it set you up for in your career. So if you're in a spot right now, guys, where you're like, why do I have to do this? And why am I going here every day? This is hard and it's challenging. You are growing, you're learning, you're refining, and it's going to help you later on down the road. It's time in the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. We told (laughs) JC at the beginning, we're like, we do favorite things and you can bring anything that you want to bring. And that ours are usually products from Amazon because the only way that this podcast is funded right now is through people shopping our Amazon storefront, which we are just honest about. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, we would love for you to shop through our storefront. And we just share things on here that we love that we're using all the time. So, so we'll let you go first. And let me say, um, one that I've been grateful for is the, uh, not a plug though, but I mean, it kind of is a plug. Every dollar app has been okay. for budget. I've been hearing about every dollar a lot. Yeah. Especially cause like, you know, mint's gone and like, I know every dollar is going to be around for a while, but it's probably just like the simplest way to budget. And I don't, I don't know, like people don't think budgeting is like planning. They just think it's like looking at your expenses, but mm-hmm. not every dollar gets it right. So I'd recommend that. Every dollar. I think that's a great thing. We'll link that down below. It's an app for budgeting and it makes it really easy as things get spent. You can just drag them into their categories. And I've heard really good things about it. So. If you're looking for a budgeting tool on your phone, we'll link that down in the description box. Okay. Do you want me to go next? Um, I, I don't care. I could go. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So mine, I think I've talked about these before, but I'm going to talk them about again because it saved my life this week. Um, I am a dance mom and dance competition season has started and uh, it started on Friday and on Thursday I started getting that scratchy throat and I was like "Uh uh-uh nope we have a long weekend ahead we have lots of things to do we do not have time to be sick and so I doubled up on my Ollie immunity elderberry gummies and the cold never came on so they have zinc elderberry and vitamin c in them and I take them every day but I just kind of like doubled up when I felt something coming on and I did not get sick and you know we've talked about it Haven before the year that everybody got the C we did not get it because we were t- I was taking my immunity vitamins and I also take their probiotic and I really like Ollie because I don't have to take their gummies and they taste good and they do have some sugar in them so if you're not into having sugar in your vitamins I'm sorry but I never used to take my vitamins but I take them now because they taste like gummy bears and you don't have to take them with food so I put them right by my counter take them every morning and they saved me yet again from being taken out from my, my daughter's first dance competition And she did amazing. And she would be embarrassed that I told you, but she placed fourth place in her solo out of 33 dancers. 
and she like has never this is only her second year doing a solo and last year she only placed like one time and she was like 15th or 14th so she had the best day and i was very thankful that i was there and wasn't sick at home so shout out to ollie oh my gosh this is so funny that that is yours because mine is my um resistant c vitamin c packet because you were at a volleyball tournament this week. because two weeks ago let me tell you we were at a volleyball tournament we leave the volleyball tournament and nine out of the 11 girls on my daughter's team got the flu my daughter oh no she did not a bunch of parents did not and it's because i make we have these resistance c vitamin c packets we put it in water we call it vitamin drink at our house I make my kids drink one every day, and I do too. And we did not get the flu. I'm telling you, when vitamin around. C is real, y'all. If y'all don't believe in vitamin C, it is real. Yeah. So I love these. They taste good. They, I mean, it looks like a crystal light mix that you just mix with water. It has zinc and B vitamins and vitamin D in it, and a thousand milligrams of vitamin C, and it tastes good. And nobody's tummy gets upset. So my, that was my favorite thing because we have been healthy yourself. at my house. <laughs> it's important. And in January, February, and March, oh, have kids. you're just praying every day. Lord, yeah, please protect our career. Yeah. <laughs> right. so stuff to do in spring breaks and we just can't have anybody. Yeah. It's just like a germ infested when your kids yeah. go to school. It's that time of year. Yeah, it's that time of year. Well, that really thanks are. for thanks for playing along for our favorite yeah, thing. We know it's kind of an early thing, but we love to include our guests and know what they're loving as well. Yes, and, and I'm taking will... notes. <laughs> <laughs> we will put all of those links down in the description box. We will also put all the links to where you can find JC on all the platforms in the description box as well. We just want to thank you so much, JC, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to meet with us. We wish you and your wife, Ashley, all the very best. We'll be cheering you on this year as you kind of re-strategize. We'll be watching your long-form content. Um, so we're just so excited to see what you do. Heck yeah. Thank you so much. This was fun. I really enjoyed this, actually. Yeah. We loved having you. Um, again, guys, let us know if you enjoyed this interview down in the comments and who should we interview next. And we will see you next time in the Cypress Room. Excellent.